you know, some of you just need to settle down. Come on, this is Christmas Eve, and so uh, you get excited tomorrow when you get those presents, right? And so, uh, hey, I, I just uh, want to say Merry Christmas from my family to yours. For those of you who don't know me, maybe this is your very first time uh, visiting on Christmas Eve, or for some of you, we haven't seen you since last Easter, so hey, it's really good to see you. And uh, you might remember, I'm Jamie Rasmussen, I'm the uh, senior pastor here, and I'm going to take just a few minutes to set up our candle lighting time by sharing just kind of a Christmas meditation, just to kind of get us thinking uh, a bit about Christmas this year and, and what it means for our lives. And I got to tell you, I, uh, I usually think all month long, I mean, it's the 24th of December here, and I, I give thought all month long to the 10 to 15 minutes that we have together here on Christmas Eve and what I'm going to share. And it usually is something that is very personal to me that kind of God is teaching me in my life right now. And this year it wasn't very hard. I want to talk to you all tonight about the absolute power of personal relationship and how the power of personal relationship can drastically affect how you and I see things around us. That's the theme for our Christmas meditation this year. And here's what got me thinking about this. I'm going to go into a story now that some of you are going to feel like might be boring, but trust me, it won't. It's going to take us somewhere because the story involves NFL football. Now, some of you are dialing in right away and others you're going, I can't believe he's going to do this on Christmas Eve, but I am. I am a massive NFL football fan. A guy here t said to me, you know, I'll be watching the clock tonight. I said, no, I'm always watching the clock during football season, even when I'm speaking. And I, I love NFL football. And for those of you who know me, my two favorite teams, the first one are the Cleveland Browns, because I grew up in Cleveland. Hey, be careful. And, uh, and, and the second one, this you don't know, are the Green Bay Packers. And yeah, there you go. I got some Wisconsin folks. This guy's charismatic here. All right, good. The reason I'm a Packers fan is that I got interested in football when I was six years old. I was born in 1964, and so it was about 1970 that I can remember getting into football, and that was just three years after the very first Super Bowl. And you might remember that the first two Super Bowls were won by Vince Lombardi and the Packers, and so I just gravitated toward the winning team, and then I was born and raised in Cleveland. So uh, the Browns and the Packers are always the teams that I have rooted for. And so this year, I've been rooting for both teams, one doing well, the other one, as usual, is not, uh, the Cleveland Browns. And yet here has been my dilemma this year. Now, go with me on this, because this is profound stuff. Um, I grew up in a small town outside of Cleveland, Ohio, called Chagrin Falls. I've told you guys this before, but the town I grew up in is half the size of our church. So it's really small. And everybody knew everybody. And everybody had to play football in the town that I grew up in, which is probably why I liked it. Most of us were never going to go on to do anything significant with football, but there was one kid in my high school who we all knew would do big things with football because he was big, he was a fullback, his name was Brett. And sure enough, Brett, when he got out of high school, my little high school, uh, got recruited by the University of North Carolina. He was redshirted, and he went on to just be a great football player back in the day for UNC. Unfortunately, he had a neck injury uh, toward the end of his college career that prevented him from going into the pros. But man, he was so close. 
This man also came to believe in Jesus at some time in his late high school, early college, so he was just a wonderful young Christian man. He went on to marry a wonderful gal. They had a bunch of kids, and he went into development and has done development for Christian organizations, and he had a son, his oldest son, whose name is Mason. Mason also was big and went to college. He went to uh, Oklahoma State University and, and became a star quarterback for OSU. His name is Mason Rudolph. And two years ago, Mason was drafted by the arch enemy of the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's all say boo together. Yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so here's my dilemma is that, you know, I have a relationship with this kid's dad. This, this kid is playing in the pros. And so when I'm watching Cleveland play its arch enemy, the Steelers, I'm having this schizophrenic experience because I want to root for the Browns, which is fruitless anyways, but I want to root for the Browns. But I, I love this kid, even though I've never met him because I knew his dad and therein lies the power of personal relationship, amen? See, see, all of you can relate to a story like that, even if it doesn't involve football. If you have children here today, or if you have grandchildren, you know the power of relationship to change your view on things. You see another kid or a grandkid do something, and you're like, somebody put that kid in line. But when it's your kid, it's kind of different, isn't it? Or how about your marriage? You have a wife or a husband or even a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you know when they do something, it's very different than when somebody you don't know does something. And by the way, that's a normal thing. That's a good thing. Being in personal relationship with somebody tends to color, it tends to change the way we see all the circumstances around them. You do that with your friends, you do that with your kids, you do that with your spouse. You even do it as we've seen in watching football if you know one of the players. We all know that relationship is very powerful and it changes, even alters the way that we view all the circumstances of our life when we're in personal relationship with somebody involved in these circumstances. And so here's what I want us to wrestle with this Christmas season. This is where God has me thinking this year. Could it be that God is the one responsible for this relational propensity that's inside you and me? In other words, could it be that God has hardwired you and has hardwired me to be relational beings in our core? You see, I think so. I think that God has made human beings, and I know he's made us in, our, in his image, and he's made us to be relational beings, to be moved, to be changed, even to be drawn to love when we engage others relationally. Relationality, this ability to be intimate with those around us in our emotions and in our thoughts, I'm telling you, is central to how we grow and mature as people. And we all know this. Every one of us experiences this. It's core to our humanity. And at least from a biblical standpoint, it's core to how God has made us. And here's the deal. Once you and I can dial into this, and I think every one of us here tonight can, you are now ready to understand Jesus and Christmas. You really are. Let me show you what I mean. 
Most of you, I think, have heard the Christmas story. Derek talked a little bit about it earlier, but the Christmas story isn't complicated. There was this gal named Mary, most likely a teenager, rather young, and she was engaged to a guy named Joseph. And yet there was a problem. Mary became pregnant during the engagement period, and they had not been intimate yet. And so Joseph, being an upstanding guy, decided that he was going to, the Bible says, put her away quietly, which was a nice way of saying, we're going to break off this engagement and just let things go uh, their own way. Uh, But he had a dream. And in this dream, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and told him two things. The first thing he said was that this pregnancy has come by God, the Holy Spirit, because I'm up to something very unusual on planet Earth that you get to be a part of. And the second thing he said is that there will be a baby boy born and he will be the savior of the world. I'm not sure Joseph understood the half of it. How about you? I mean, he had a dream. The angel said this. The angel basically said, chill out, still marry her. This is of me. And he's going to be a savior. But it was enough for Joseph to go with the plan. And then Matthew, who's telling the story, goes into editorial mode at this point in the story and listen to what he shares with you and me, his readers. Listen to what he says. This dials into this idea of a hardwired relationality in you and me. Matthew says, now all this, the pregnancy, the engagement, the dream, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet years ago. And this is what the prophet said. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and will bear a son, and you're to call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Whoa. So they were to call this little baby, they would call him Jesus, but another name for him would be Emmanuel, which translated means God is with you in this baby. Don't miss this. In Jesus, God decided to come to this earth. Why? To be with us, to be with you, to be with me, to relate to us which is how Jesus spent the vast majority of his time here on earth. He was here to reveal the Father to us in relational garb and to ultimately bring us into a right relationship with God. And the reason is, is because Jesus taught us that we're separated from God and that he was here to be the bearer of our sin, to forgive us of our sin and bring us back into a right relationship with God. But what you need to understand, what the entire Christmas story is about, gang, is relationship. It's God coming to be with us, to bring us into relationship with himself. And what's so cool about that, what hit me this Christmas season, is that this idea of relationship is a concept that every one of us can relate to because it's hardwired and how you and I function in this world. And all God says is, now transfer that to me. And so here is the call of Jesus to you and me this Christmas season. I'm gonna use the biblical words here. He calls us to believe in him and to receive him into our lives. To believe and to receive. You know, when you think about it, believing and receiving are really relational terms. 
If any of you have ever been in an intimate relationship, and I have to believe almost every one of us have, we have friends or we're married or we have children or, or what have you, you know that what it takes to be in that relationship is to believe in the other person, to believe that they love you and care for you, and then, get this, it takes to receive them into your life. And how do you receive them? Watch this. you got to forgive them and accept them. Amen? If any of you are in a relationship for any long period of time, you know that that other person is going to mess with you, right? They're going to hurt you. They're going to say something that you don't like. They're going to do something that offends you. We're all human. We're all broken. We're all messed up. And so the building blocks, any, ask any psychologist of relationship, are love forgiveness and acceptance to believe in each other and then to receive somebody into your life those are the building blocks of relationship and so it's no coincidence that the bible says when it comes to jesus what god wants you to do is to believe in him as your savior believe in him as god come to be with you and then to receive him into your life. That's what faith is all about, as your Lord and as your Savior. You know, it's cool, using the analogy of light that we're going to bounce off here in just a minute, uh, the Apostle John would say it this way, very simply but very profoundly. He would say in his gospel, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's referring to Jesus. And he came into the world, and he came to his own, and to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Man, I'm telling you, that's the good news here tonight, gang, is that we don't celebrate Christmas just with trees and gifts and a little time off work, as good as all that is. We celebrate Christmas here tonight because Jesus came for you. And it's very relational when we say that. He came to be with you he came to bring you to the Father. He came because he loves you and he desires for you to believe and to receive. And so if you're ready to do that tonight, and for those of you who have already done that and want to celebrate that, uh, we're going to celebrate Jesus as the light of the world by doing something that we do every year here at Scottsdale Bible Church. We're going to light some candles. And I'm just going to prepare you right now, gang, that this is an extremely meaningful time for those of us who believe and have received Jesus. Because this light represents Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. And so when we light this candle here in just a minute from the main candle here that represents Christ, I'm gonna light this candle to me and that's a symbol of me believing and receiving Jesus into my, my world, into my life. And now my life is lit up. And then I'm going to take this candle and I'm going to light the candles of the ushers, whom last I heard all believe as well. <laughs> and, and they're going to take their candle. If, if they don't, it's going to ruin the symbolism. But anyways, it takes the, uh, they're going to take their candles and they're going to light your candle as well. And again, if you're not ready to believe, still light the candle because I want you to think about where your life is and where your faith is and your trust is and your love is. But if you do believe, and if you have received or are ready to receive Jesus into your life, then light that candle and place your faith in Jesus, the light of the world who can light up your life. Now, real quickly, as we move into this, let me just give a couple of ground rules so we don't burn the place down. This is really important. 
as the candle, the lit candle comes to you, and everybody always messes this up, but I'm telling you, this will work if you do it this way. Um, what you're to do is to keep the lit candle straight up and down. Can you guys do that? Because if you tip it, what's going to happen? That beautiful dress that you have on or those nice pants are going to get wax all over it. And, and, and so keep it up. And the person who doesn't have a lit candle, they move their candle into you. So you never have to mess with your candle. If you have little ones here, little children, which we love here, they're welcome to have a candle. Just watch them because they don't know what the power of fire is. And so just watch your kid and uh, let them uh, partake in this as well. We're going to light all the candles as we sing probably the most famous Christmas hymn, Silent Night. And as we light the candles together, we're going to darken the sanctuary. Just hold your candle. Just hold it there. Keep it lit. And then I'm going to lead us in a very meaningful time of believing, receiving, of celebration of Jesus. And then we'll dismiss you when the time is right. But let's enter into this time right now in prayer, and then we'll start our candle lighting time together. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you that around the world today, literally billions of people will gather in churches like this to celebrate something that Derek reminded us happened in history 2,000 years ago, the coming of Jesus into this world. And though, Lord, we live in a world today where people tend to be somewhat confused on exactly who Jesus is, we know he's God with us. He's God, the Son, who lived for all of eternity, come to be with us, to bring us to you through a forgiving, sin-repenting relationship with Jesus. So God, I pray that as we believe and receive now through this simple symbol and sign of lighting this candle, that your Holy Spirit would be with us during this time and may this be a very meaningful time of trust in you and celebrating what Christmas is truly about. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.